You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's a game day. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three of the program. The train rolls on. Yeah, it does. Uh, later on this hour, uh, Jason Bukala, former NHL scout, Sportsnet columnist, Tee up the Flames and Penguins with him. He only spent 10 years in the same organization as Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. So he'll have a couple things to say about those two dudes. He texted me, I think it was after their third game, and said, they look like they're fitting in. And then he had a couple of other thoughts on the players. I said, ah, save it for the show. Mm, I like it. Don't, ra- don't spend it in the green room. Um, in the radio biz, uh, they call that a tease. Yes, sir. They do. Yes, sir. Uh, we also got a poll question up at George Russick at Matt Rose YYC. I know we're totally nitpicking a four and one team, but who needs a dominant performance to maybe shush a tiny bit of the fan base here? Because mm-hmm. I listen to all the post game stuff with Pat Steinberg, yeah, and all the regulars calling in, all Pat's friends calling George, into the show, Robert, yep. right, Wedley, yep, all of them calling in, and there's some criticisms about Jacob Markstrom, Tyler Toffoli. Um, who needs a dominant performance to maybe shush a little tiny segment of the fan base? The top line or Jacob Markstrom? Which way did you vote? I voted the top line because I did think that Jacob Markstrom put together a really solid 50 minutes of play uh, in that uh, most recent game against the Carolina Hurricanes. 50 plus, really, if you start counting overtime in there, too. So um, that's where I would go is uh, the top line because I think Markstrom has been pretty good. Um, there was that game, what was it, against Vegas a couple of tilts ago where the Will Carey eagle had everyone kind of knee-knocking a little bit. Mm. But apart from that, I think he's been really strong. He's looked like he's uh, trending in the right direction. Top line I'm not too worried about, but a dominant game would really go and, and settle some nerves. Uh, we talked about that during uh, the preseason, about how long the leash is mm. on this top line. Have, yeah. Has your mind changed at all with how long Toffoli, Lindholm, and Hubert are going to be together? No, I thought it would be for probably the entirety of this homestand to give them 10 games to kind of try and sort it out. Um, I do feel like the options are limited. Now, the other interesting wrinkle here is that I thought the most recent game was the first time that I thought Caudry was head and shoulders better than his line mates, whereas I thought Mm. that the other guys had kind of held up their end of the bargain prior So I do, you know, when that happens, then you start to think, okay, now is there a possibility of a bit of a shuffle in the top six here? But um, I'm still sitting on what I said is kind of the 10 games. There's been flashes. The way that Huberto can move the puck, there's potential there. It just needs to all come together. Does it matter that Huberto hasn't scored yet? Not really for me. It's not really the calling card of his game for me. He's a guy who scores 25 to... 30 goals to season, you're five games in. That's about kind of standard. If, if he begs one here in the next couple of games, that's that's pretty good pace still for him. Um, but yeah, no, not, not overly concerning for me. I think he's shot it when he's had the opportunities. He's passed it when he's had the opportunities. I, th- the problem for me when a guy doesn't have a goal is am I watching him and watching him get in prime slots and watching him give up scoring chances and shooting opportunities? And I haven't felt like Jonathan Huberto's done that. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that'll make an extra pass because he's that smart and he'll get the 
the surefire goal. Like, I can't recall which game it was. It was one of the early ones where he had the short little pass to Elias Lindholm on a scramble at the goal mouth that Lindholm buried no problem. A lot of players just would have buried that right into the chest trying to score the goal, but Huberto waited, passed it to Lindholm, got the assist instead. That's just the way that he plays, so I'm not totally worried that he has not scored a goal yet. Um, Lindholm's fascinating, right? Because in that loss to the Sabres, we saw him get knocked down the lineup a little bit as uh, Daryl threw everything in a blender because they were getting dominated by Buffalo. Uh, is there a chance he's, they experiment maybe with Kadri up there and move Lindholm down a line? I could see it potentially, but I do think that they're maybe... They really want to make Huberto and yes, Lindholm work. exactly. And you got to give that some time, right? Like we've discussed... Gaudreau and Huberto have very similar stat lines when you look at the end of what they did in 21-22, but when you watch them play, it's it's different. Jonathan Huberto kind of excels when guys close in on him, and he almost baits them into thinking that they've got him locked down, and then he makes a pass out of a scrum and right to tape to tape, and all of a sudden it's a two-on-one against the other defenseman. Whereas Johnny Gaudreau was a guy that really excelled when he had space and time. If you pressured him and you were aggressive and you just pinned him against the boards, that was that. You moved on with your, you moved on. You probably had possession of the puck as well. So I th- wonder if there is a little bit of a, a growing pain there for Lindholm. And the other thing too is, as much as like I've said, I do like Tyler Toffoli on that line, and I, I'm waiting for it to click. He's not Matthew Kachuk. He right. doesn't have the creativity. He doesn't have the vision. He doesn't have the same ability that Matthew did. He's never. He's not going to be a hundred point player for the rest of his career, Tyler Toffoli. So, I could see it. I could see them wanting to do that. Kadri certainly earned it, but I do feel like this is something where they're like, man, if this top six could actually work, that would leave a lot of issues that we're going to have to try and mm-hmm. solve as we get closer to the trade deadline and really bonify this team as a contender. Well, it's 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 incredible how chemistry is so impossible to quantify. Just look at the sure. instant chemistry Kadri, Dubé, and Majapani have had. Like quick. instant chemistry. And now we're still waiting for Lindholm, Toffoli, and Huberto to click. Mm-hmm. But those guys, Kadri gets there. He's been Calgary's best player through five games. I don't think there's any question. A guy who's fresh off a of Stanley Cup, finally got his bag, decided to come here to Calgary to potentially win another Stanley Cup. He has been everything and so much more so far. For this team and his line is clicked immediately and it's funny how that just works and you just don't know like once guys play together and they find their rhythm and they know where they are on the ice that's great it's just sometimes it takes longer than other times and it, what a perfect example out of his right in this city sometimes it happens instantly like it is with the dna line uh thanks to jose tenacious three and uh, sometimes it doesn't happen right away like we're seeing with the top line now. Yeah, exactly. And l- One of the things that I've really liked about watching Nassim Kadri is he is one of those guys, like a Matthew Kachuk, who will draw his line mates into the play. He's someone who na- never takes a shift off. He'll go to the dirty areas. He will help you defend. He will go to the net. He'll get in the goaltender's face. You name it. He does it all. And he drags his line mates into the game when he does that too. So having two guys who are kind of, Entering the prime of their career in Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane and having him as kind of the the leader, the pace horse for those two, Mm -hmm. that's a great spot for both of them on the side and him in the middle. And I agree. I thought early on there was a lot of great 
chemistry. They were moving the puck well. The breakouts were crisp. Like I mentioned, I didn't love how that line was in the most recent game. Um, they, they left a little bit to be desired. Eventually, they got the result that they needed. Kadri scored the goal on the power play as he continues to just be dominant there. But I'm intrigued to watch that line here tonight because you can't put two of those together because then all of a sudden, okay, Kadri's dragging you guys. Like early, it was like, okay, no passengers here whatsoever. You can't be a passenger on that second line. You need to be someone who's helping to drive play, helping to produce offense, helping to check opposition's guys. You got to do all of that. And Kadri's a guy who drags you right into it. Well, the power play has looked dangerous. It's looked good. Like it's, it definitely has. You like Huberto on that left side has just been making some incredible plays. Anderson's been good. Up. Anderson's been good on the point. You're right. Even Michael Stone, when you mix him in with an absolute <laughs> laser beam from the point, that's, he's just fun to watch because guys do not want any part of that. And thank God, th- thank you. Please, more of this. Tell me you don't love to see on the screen. When uh, Michael Stone rips the clapper and it's 98.3 miles oh, an know. hour standing still, please more of that. Hockey needs more of that. You're like, that guy just shot it that hard and really wasn't taking a big skate up like to do with the hardest shot competition. And uh, shout out to Trevor Lewis standing right in front of it. But I did want to yeah. mention there as well because the stats have been great. I checked out the Sportsnet Now stats broadcast yesterday. It was really cool. They were showing speeds for players. They were showing every shot stuff. clock. We need more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Mondays, they do the broadcast online. It was great. Yeah. Side note, I digress. Uh, we need more of that uh, on uh, on our hockey broadcast. Yeah, uh, interesting game tonight with uh, the Penguins playing the back end of a back-to-back last night. Yeah. Uh, they're a, lot, a, a lot of people team, were holding. Eh? Oh, yeah, there, there's... Yeah, Ricard Raquel's a guy we haven't even talked about. He was, and he's been sneaky good uh, for them so far this season. It was a really nice pickup for them last season. Decided to stay long-term. Jeff Carter's drinking the Fountain of Youth. Or is it like... 37 now? Yeah, where, well, werewolf blood, as uh, Russell Wilson says so awkwardly. Uh, I don't know what he... But he's been playing very well. And again, the Flames get another team on the back end of a back-to-back. And last night, everyone was holding their collective breath. Maybe not so much in this city. Uh, when Connor McDavid uh, slammed into the post last night. It was like, oh, God, is that guy hurt long term? And I think a lot of people in Calgary have been like, oh, no. That's Connor's hurt. Bad. He can't play Saturday oh, in Calgary. That's, that's too bad. Too bad. Oh, no, he's hurt for long term. That's too bad for them. But, again, you get another good veteran team on the back end of a back-to-back. Advantage Calgary, who's playing this ridiculously long homestand. It is an advantage Calgary. Um, listen, <laughs> the numbers will show you. Back-to-backs, they do not treat teams very well. And this is, like we mentioned, a veteran team. You don't have a lot of uh, those young, youthful, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, a lot of, lot of energy in the legs type of guys. These are veterans. But granted, these are guys who have all shown that they can have longevity in career. They know how to manage a back-to-back at this point in their career. You just have to understand that any time that they throw a line over the ice, you have to be aware both in the offensive zone and in the defensive zone, because when you can go with Crosby, Malkin, Carter down the middle, and like we've talked about, they've just got a bunch of great complimentary pieces. I don't think Jake Gensel's expected to play. He's been hurt for a little bit, but you got Brian Rust, you got Ricard Raquel, you got Jason Zucker, you've got Kisperi Kapanen. Like there is a lot of guys in that forward group who maybe didn't work out in their previous teams, but the Penguins have picked them up, put them in maybe a role that suits them a little bit better, not play driving guys, but put Mm -hmm. them on a line with a play driver to help in certain aspects where those guys are maybe a little bit deficient and move forward from there. They're a very good team. Just because these guys are coming in on a back-to-back, you cannot look past that whatsoever. That was their first regulation loss last night. 
Yeah. Uh, they've been great. They've been good. And uh, they're, they're going to go as far as Tristan Jari takes them. Yes, goaltending was an issue for them uh, last season, especially in that collapse to the New York Rangers. And then Phil Borg told us on Monday that goaltending has been one of the biggest reasons for their success early on. Yeah. Now, granted, this is a team that in four of their or three of their first five games or four of their first six have put up six goals, but goaltending has been a big part of it too. Um, Got a lot of text messages um, on the O2 team winning the gold medal. I know, Maddie, uh, you're way too young uh, to remember that. Uh, a lot of uh, saying that Iggy was a beast in that gold medal game. He absolutely was. That line yep. was Sackick, Aginla, and Simone Gagne. My God, they just dominated every time they were out on the ice. Like, that was an absolute force. And, again, the highlight of Mario Lemieux letting the puck go through his legs intentionally to go to Paul Correa is one of the all-time greats. And you just look at that lineup, too. Like, they had over 1,500 career goals on the fourth line. It was gross. Which was absurd. It was a stacked team. Like you look back at it and it's funny because like you mentioned, Simone Gagne was like 21 on that team. And then you had Gretz who was like, what, 35, I think at that on which point team? on the O2 one. No, Gretzky was or, not on the O2 team. He was retired by or was that the 98 Gretzky's Gretzky ran the team in O2 and had the famous speech, how everyone's against Canada and everyone roots for Canada when they were torpedoed by the Swedish torpedo in that first game with Curtis Joseph and Nett, when Sundin and the Swedes blew past Canada and all of a sudden we're like, uh-oh, here we go again. Canada's going to fall flat on their face uh, in the Olympics. And then the Swedish torpedo eventually was sunk later on in the tournament and Canada ended up winning the whole gold medal. But you want, you want, to, be, uh, you want to see Wayne Gretzky at his best? Mm. Uh, YouTube that speech he gave uh, after that loss to the Swedes. It's Wayne Gretzky at his finest, taking all the bullets for the Canadian guys to have the attention towards him and not the players. It's one of the best things. And yes, Jerome Ginla was an absolute monster for Team Canada in that 0-2 win. Again, the Sackett call, Bob Cole. Like, again, I have goosebumps just thinking about the Joe Sackett call from Bob Cole, one of the all-time greats. Uh, a lot of text messages, too, uh, on my evening last night. Got a little stir-crazy in uh-huh. the apartment. I go, I got to go. I got to go out because I, I, I like to do stuff. I'm an activities guy. Yeah, I like yeah. activities. Mm-hmm. I like to do stuff. I like to golf a lot. I'm still looking for a ball hockey team. 960, 960, name and location. I would like to play, <laughs> although I'm terribly out of shape right now, and this thin air is going to kill me, and I might have a heart attack. You'll be doing the show by yourself. That might bring a smile to some people's faces, but I'm still looking for a ball hockey team too. 960, 960, name and location. I said, is it sad that going to a bar or going to a movie by yourself? There's a prevailing thought out there that it's okay to have some me time and go by yourself to a movie or a bar. Yeah. You should go by yourself. Uh-huh. You're in the camp of it's totally normal. You're a guy who likes to go to the bar by himself. I don't really like the other people that much. Like every once in a while, it's good to go out and just enjoy it all by myself. And hey, like the other thing too is if you go long enough, then you're going to know the people who are at the bar. Like uh, every time I go to my local watering hole, I'll say hi to Dusty, who runs the joint. I'll say hi to Ian. We'll talk about our fantasy football teams and mm. all of our bad beats from the previous weekend. I'll have a couple pints. He'll give me the happy hour cost, even though it might not be happy hour. And then I'll go my way. Um, text line 960, 960. Movie theater is 10 times worse alone. The bar alone is a normal experience. Try working on the road all the time. You, you, you pony up on the Fair. bar, maybe grab a menu, have something to eat. Going to the movies by yourself, you're generally going to sit near the front, too. Like, here's the other thing, too. If you go to a bar by yourself, 
you can look over to your right or to your left, and you can strike up a conversation. If you both end up watching the TV at the same time, and then your eyes lock as you look over to your right, and you're like, okay, now we're talking about uh, Bears and Patriots today. We're about to find out how much this guy likes the NFL. You do that in a movie theater, and you're going to get, shh, 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 mm-hmm. don't talk to me, shh, movie's on. Uh, we're getting a lot of these, too. Um, bar or movie, neither is sad. If you can't enjoy your own company for two hours and treat yourself sometime, I worry about you, bud. You don't have to worry about me. It's fine. <laughs> I was just asking the question because I thought about it last night. Is this sad sitting at the bar? And you're right. I had a nice conversation with the bartender. Uh, there was a young lady to my right. I had a nice conversation with her. And some of the some of the booze I've never heard of uh, sitting at the bar that they were swilling at this specific bar, this rum I've never heard of in my life. I go, people actually drink this? Where's this rum from? When I'm used to, like, the bigger brands, like, you know, Captain Morgan or Bacardi. Mm. This was a rum I've never heard of. And we also laughed about how uh, when some people try to order a pina colada at said bar, pulling away, uh, they don't make it. Like, we we don't have that here. Uh, people trying to order pina colada at a sports bar. Yeah, they don't have uh, they don't have one of the blenders. But you know what they do have there is the shaft on draft. Next time you go, it's not for when you went yesterday because it would have kept you up all night. But shaft on draft, what? another Calgary favorite. What is that? So uh, shaft on draft was made. Uh, I believe it originated, and I'm going to get corrected on the text line. Uh, I believe it originated in Banff at one of the distilleries. And what it is is vodka, uh, coffee liqueur. Um, and cream, and I believe it's a three-ounce pour over ice, and you drink it like a shot through a straw. Mm. Very good. It's a nice little kick in the pants to start your night or uh, your afternoon or your day. Maybe not your day, but, you know, to get you going. I like it. Yeah. Put a little lead in your pencil. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah a little lead in your pe- Yeah, a little pep in your step. Yeah. A little kick in the pants. Um, before we get to uh, Jason Bukala, former NHL scout and sports and columnist, uh, I like to do this as a public service uh-huh. to our listeners, uh, fans of the Calgary Flames. Uh, it just gives you a nice little talking point uh-huh. uh, during the commercial breaks. If you're going down at the Dome, uh, intermissions, you can share some facts. I gave you facts about Buffalo when the Sabres were in town yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. We had some good Buffalo facts. Some of them were rather jargon, but they were good. Uh, and now I have some facts about actual Penguins. Oh. And Maddie wanted to weigh in with actual stats from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of stats on the actual so, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, so we're going to kind of play dueling banjos right now when it comes to... Yeah, oh, tune her up, boys. Very good. Very oh. good. I'm going to start Get the washboard out. Yeah, with facts about penguins. Hey, all penguins live in the Southern Hemisphere. All 18 penguin species reside in the Southern Hemisphere. You can't find a penguin outside of the Southern Hemisphere. What? Yeah, isn't that fun? That feels false. Like, Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Aren't there penguins in, like, Vancouver, or, like, off the coast? No. You, there's no. No? No. All right. Producer Patrick like dunking on. Yeah, you right he's there. like, no, no, you're an no, idiot. idiot, stupid man. Shut up. Gosh. Hey, did you know the Pittsburgh Penguins lost in regulation for the first time on Monday? First time all season. No way. They've also set a franchise record for shots through six games with 234. No way. Averaging 39 a game. Look at all these facts we're giving you on the big show. With That's about the same amount of shots and fireball you can find in one section of the press level in one period. It's true. Um, 
the collective noun for penguins is, well, a group of penguins in the water is called a raft. Oh. A group of penguins on the land is called a waddle. Uh, okay. And other collective nouns for penguins include colony, huddle, and rookery. Colony, huddle, and rookery. Yeah. I like the raft one. Yeah. Like, do they have to be tight together to be a raft, or is that like when they're underwater, too? Who knows? Apparently, when they're swimming together, it's called a raft. Hey, you know, I told you the penguins had all those shots. Yeah. Did you know that in the second period yesterday, it went bad. They got outshot 26 to 4 in the second period. Those 26 allowed were too shy of the most allowed in a period in franchise history. They actually allowed 28 against the Flyers in 2019. Really? 26 shots against and the in just a single period. So bad. They were awful for a long, long years time. Years and years and years, they were laughing stock of the NHL. Brutal. Uh, do you know that penguins make fantastic fathers? Male emperors are renowned for taking the sole responsibility of keeping their precious eggs worms through the depths of winter in Antarctica. Huh. Yeah. Really? Yep. They take care of your good, hey? Good yes, for them. Yes, sir. Did you know that the Penguins have 12 players with four-plus points this season? And that's tied for first in the entire NHL? Only the Penguins and Capitals have 12 players that have four or more points this season. The Penguins are also tied for first in the league because they have eight players that have scored at least two goals. The Penguins, Bruins, Capitals, and Stars all have eight players with at least two. The Flames tied for six Hmm. with six. Did you know that negrophilia is a fact of life for Adelie penguins? Um, what was that? They have um, sex with no, dead penguins because young and no. inexperienced, they don't understand normal sexual cues okay. of the other penguins. I knew that there was going to be some, <laughs> some. What? What? I'm giving you facts about penguins. Fitting that deliverance is playing. <laughs> Adelie. Adelie. You're up. Um, I, I'm. I'm flustered. Okay. This is the first back-to-back set of the season for the Penguins. Last year, they were 8-2-1 and one in their first game of back-to-backs, 5-3-3 three and three in the second game. Also, the first of three straight back-to-backs for the Penguins. Hmm. Back-to-back here. Their next two games, also a back-to-back on the weekend. Their next two games, also a back-to-back. Hmm. But they'll be in November, and they'll be home and away. Uh, Gen 2 Penguins would claim the gold medal in a sprint race. These incredible swimmers can move at speeds of around 35 kilometers an hour through water. 35K? Yeah. Whoa. That's like... Gen 2 penguin. Yeah. A what penguin? Gen 2. Gen 2? Yeah. Hmm. They swim really fast. You got one more fact for us? Because I got one more penguin Okay, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Here we go. Um, Did you know? Yeah. Among players with at least 1,000 games played... Sidney Crosby's 1.27 points per game is third in NHL history. Wow. Behind? Wayne Gretzky? Yes, who had 1.92. Mario Lemieux, not even top five. Really? Really, really, really. Yager? Nope, not on the list. It's not Gordie Howe. Nope. Mark Messier? Nope. I think you got to go older. Wow. This Uh, guy's got a French name. Oh, uh, Marcel Dion? Bingo! He lives in Niagara Falls, by the way. 1.31 points yep. per game. Minimum 1,000 games played. That might have been a little 
key point there. Uh, those are great Penguin stats. Let me give you one more before we get to the break. Oh, good. This will be jarring. Uh, penguin gangs, as it turns out, are no better than human gangs. Adelie penguins that travel in tight-knit flocks participate in theft, murder, and gang rape of other penguins. Straight ahead, Jason Bukala, <sighs> NHL scout and Sportsnet columnist what on the Flames that? and Penguins. What was that? It's the big show, Sportsnet 960, oh the fan. Oh, my. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's a Flames game day. Flames and Penguins tonight. Flames warm up with Steinberg and Lombardi. It's at 6 o'clock. Puck drop just after 7 right here, of course, on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, to tee up the game, talk about a couple former playoff, uh, former Panthers, uh, Jason Bukala, former NHL scout, Sportsnet columnist joins us. Jason, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing great. How about yourself? We're great. Thanks for jumping on. Um, obviously, uh, all eyes on uh, two of the three newest flames who are here, uh, Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger. You obviously have a ton of experience with those guys being the former uh, director of amateur scouting for the Florida Panthers. When you were watching Huberto coming up, what's the one thing that really stuck out for you? Well, it's always been his playmaking ability. I mean, he's got uh, that ability to make plays in in small areas that uh, other players in the league, like sometimes a puck will die on the vine, but with Jonathan, you know, it never really does. There's there's always a play in his uh, repertoire to be made, and uh, he he's tough to defend um, in that regard because you you better you better stick with it right till the uh, right till the end of the check. So it's always been his playmaking ability. Um, and then beyond that, you know, character. I always, I always felt like he was just a really uh, a stand-up person, character person, and uh, and that carried a lot of weight with us as well in Florida. Well, Jason, obviously that that's a softball question for me, telling you what his number one attribute is. Of course, it's his playmaking. But what what's what's his the most underrated part of his game, in your opinion? His competitive edge. I think that when games mm. get hard you're going to notice that there's a little bit more bite to him than, uh, than he's shown so far. I have to be honest. I think that so far when I watched the flames play that, that uh, there's been a little bit of a learning curve here. He is, uh, his game's been, I would rate him a B really up to this point in time. I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised that there's a lot more to give. Um, but is he, he's, he's got a lot more pushback than, than what people think. And uh, when, when somebody gets under his skin, uh, He's got a little bit of edge there that uh, that's required by skilled guys. Skilled guys with edge get a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. Skilled guys who don't have any edge, uh, they get abused more than other people in the National Hockey League. So uh, don't be surprised to see that part ramp up a bit. What type of line mates do does J- Jonathan Huberto really thrive with? I well, I think he's a Swiss Army knife that way. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think that if you look back in Florida. You know, he obviously played with Barky, and, uh, you know, Barkov's an exceptional playmaker in his own right. Um, but, you know, like, we had Yarmer Jager before. He, I know he had a cup of coffee there in Calgary with you guys right at the end, but we had we had Jager playing with uh, with Huberto, um, you know, and obviously, as we all know, he was, well, geez, he was in his late 40s, I think, <laughs> somewhere around there. So, I mean, he wasn't exactly fleet of foot, but... But Jonathan even complimented a guy like that, you know, uh, found uh, open space for, for him to do his job. So, honestly, he could play up and down your top three lines. And, uh, you know, he would he would fit in fine with Dubé uh, on a wing. And, uh, you know, that even Naz at center. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he would, he would uh, even Backlund, like he could play with a guy like Backlund. He, he's, he's going to make people around him better and get them pucks uh, more often than not. You had uh, shot me a message uh, a few games into the season, and, and we had a little bit of a brief chat about Mackenzie Weger. What maybe differences have you noticed in Mackenzie since he's come over to the Calgary Flames? Well, first of all, he's seeing more time on the power play, which I think is uh, is nice to see. He's, uh, you know, in Florida, they he he played with Ekblad primarily at even strength. He did see some power play time, but not a, not a ton, and he definitely didn't produce very much on the power play. Now, up to this point in time, I think he's been a complimentary piece on one of the power play units. He's not been, you know, a guy that uh, the puck has to go through all the time. But uh, what I'm noticing right now is that, um, you know, he's transporting the puck more aggressively more often. He's leading the rush with the puck on his stick more often. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be a slow burn. But, you know, at three points, I think, in his first five games, all at even strength. So he's playing to his identity. He's playing over 20 minutes a game. Um, but I think he's also got a little bit more to give. There's been a few uh, few turnovers in key areas of the ice that uh, – that I think he would like to have back, and he he'll be fine. He, he'll he'll work. Listen, it's a fast game. Everybody makes mistakes. Um, but the thing with weeks too is that uh, when things start to get really tough, I saw a video come out last week. Um, I think it was on Sportsnet actually of uh, of Hubert Owen Weger dropping the mitts back in junior hockey, and Weeks uh, mm-hmm. throwing a flurry throwing a flurry of laughs. Uh, uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's not the best kept secret anymore. But if something happens like that. Uh, uh, he's got that in him too, right? So, um, uh, Weeks, I'm really happy for the organization, especially happy for management there that they got both these guys signed mm-hmm. long term. Um, I think it's a huge, huge coup what's going on there in terms of uh, team building. Um, and these guys are going to be center, uh, you know, right in the middle of it for several years to come. Uh, I did want to just kind of dive into Uyghur a little bit more because I know a lot of people maybe in the Panthers market had knocked on his defense after he left or, or maybe in the playoffs. And watching him, I don't feel like that's much of an issue. I feel like the only time he's ever got himself in trouble is being a little bit over-aggressive, maybe a couple times on the pinch. Is that kind of where you saw maybe some some issues with his game perhaps from time to time when he was with the Panthers? So... Anytime you play the amount of minutes that Mackenzie Weger plays, and going back to his time with that, that's an unfair assessment by anybody who assessed him that way in Florida towards the end, because the kid was playing 24 to 27 nights versus Tampa Bay at the end of the year. And pick anybody in the league <laughs> um, that, that doesn't get tired and make some mistakes playing that kind of minutes against that type of an uh, opponent. Second of all, um, you know, he is. He, his timing is always something that uh, that that we have noticed at times that he can time certain scenarios a little bit better. Like his first three steps from the, the crease to the corner to defend and then return back to his crease, it's never been a huge strong point of his game. Like out of the gate, he's, um, he's average plus in his first three steps to get the quick space. So when you're like that and you return to defend or if you don't pinch timely, and if the puck chips by you, now you're, you know, you're having to track back and chase the play. Um, timing is ex- really important for a player like this because of the fact that he's got 10 or 15% less quick twitch in those first three steps. So he's got to be, you know, putting himself in, the, in a really timely scenario. 
Jason Bukula, former NHL scout, Sportsnet columnist, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. When they say the Flames now are tougher to play against, what does that mean to you as a former scout? Well, I look up and down their lineup. Last year, I thought that they were uh, big and burly on the back end, especially with Zadaroff and uh, and Gutty on the back end. That was an imposing group, but or an imposing pair to play against. Up front, I mean, their depth up front with, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching Lucic play early in the season, and for me, he seems to have more jump to space right now than he than he has in the last couple of years. Um, they're heavy on the down, you know, on the four hole. But up top now, I mean, with Naz, um, like for me, he's been their best player. Um, he's playing exactly to his identity. I was shocked when I was going through some stats this morning, and he's got zero penalty minutes, which is alarming to me. I can't believe that that for the way he's playing, he hasn't drawn a penalty yet. But, um, you know, they're just on balance. Like Anderson on the back end, he's not a one-trick pony. He's not just offense. Like he's got some bite to his game. Stone's been outstanding. I mean, is there a better story? Really, if you want to peel back the onion, how great a story is Michael Stone so far this season? Yeah, he's um, been unreal. And that laser beam he has too, Jason. Just, My God, that guy shoots the puck. Just 98 miles from a standstill. Yeah, and, and he plays the game the right way. Like, how reliable is this guy? And he's on, you know, he, he, he wastes it out till the end of training camp. This guy should go on a public speaking tour when his career's done on how to uh, motivate <laughs> people to stick with it because he's a poster child for that. Right. He really is. He's, he's been great. But, uh, you know, Dubé playing higher in the lineup, I like that. I think that uh, I know he had the shorthanded goal the one night, and, you know, he's got speed, and he never goes away. I just think on balance that the Flames have got – they can play the game any way you want to play it. And I don't even think they've played their best hockey yet. And I was looking at the schedule. I mean – they played arguably three Stanley Cup contending teams already, I would suggest. And I think Vegas is probably much better this year already than, and they're going to be better than they were last year, provided they stay healthy. And they played an upstart Buffalo team who's, you know, went out west and ran the table in, in Alberta and then Vancouver, which is, it's hard to do as, as everybody knows historically. So um, they've had a tough schedule. I don't even think they played their best hockey and they still look like, uh, like a, a contending team to me. Uh, Jason, I, I know there's some scar tissue left over from Jacob Markstrom's performance against the Oilers in the playoffs. And this season, he's been good. He's had he's let in a couple softies here and there. But uh, right away, the fan base, if he lets in a bad goal, right away, they, they're all over Jacob Markstrom. Uh, as a former scout, what are some of the things uh, you look for and what fans should look for to see if a goaltender is struggling or not? Well... For Marky, for me, it's the starting on time. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I'm in the building and I'm scouting him, uh, pre-scouting him, I'm watching him very closely and warm up to see what his feels like, what his body looks like in terms of his movement in the crease. And, you know, is he stopping every other puck or or dialed in on on every puck? Um, He's let in a couple of softies, I believe, in the first period of games that uh, speak to just not quite being ready, like starting on time. And, um, hey, listen, his playoff wasn't good enough last year. This is an elite goaltender. I've got him high up there on my uh, goalie rankings for the National Hockey League. As a matter of fact, I, I picked him to be a Vesna candidate this year. Um, but it's been uh, he's been average so far, guys. His, his save percentage is uh, under 890, and, and I think it speaks to the quality of the group in front of him that they've been able to pull out some games. Listen, he's made some big saves. 
but there's been a couple of apples there that uh, he'd like to have back and um, they're going to need him to be better, but I like the plan that they have in place. They're going to, they're going to split the goaltending up a little bit more this year. He should be well rested come playoff time, provided he's healthy. And uh, I expect his game to build as well. Wanted to ask you about Dylan Dubé because you mentioned him there. He's a guy that's moved up in the lineup a little bit here. Um, I'm just wondering what you might have seen. He was a, a draft pick in 2016. You would have been with the Panthers at that time. What you might have seen in his game and his draft year that made you think that he would be able to eventually project and build his game to be a guy that can play in the top six in the NHL? So Dubé was always a guy that I thought would be uh, a middle six forward, I call it. So he's a guy that can play in the in the two hole, but he's a guy that also will probably be a high three. Um, what he has always given me is every time I went out there to watch him play, um, high end compete, uh, noticeable for the right reasons, and it didn't have to be on the score sheet all the time either. So. You know, he'd be a guy that uh, when the going got tough in the trenches, you know, he wasn't backing away. His nose uh, was always getting dirty. Um, speed and on the penalty kill. And then, of course, he, he you know, he was a productive junior. Um, but, you know, I didn't really expect, and I still don't expect, like if Dylan Dubé in a career year scores, um, call it 60 points for me and does all the other things that he does well and never goes away, I think that that brings exceptional value. So, um, tenacious players who care and dig deep like him. I mean, he's a second round pick. I think he was 56 overall, something like that in 16. Um, he's, he's, he's playing to his identity. Now this is where he belongs. Like he's either a high three or a solid, uh, solid top six guy, solid two. Um, that's where he belongs in the lineup. And I think he's a 20 goal guy who plays the game the right way. And just quickly, just so I can prove a point from last week to uh, my co-host Georgie, Georgie um, would you consider Andrew Mangiapane and Nazem Kadri to also play a tenacious style of game? <laughs> no, <laughs> Nazem Kadri tenacious? Like, uh, is there any doubt? I mean, the guy's an absolute pain in the ass. Uh, I mean, he never goes away. Uh, Mangiapane, he's got some grease to him as well. He's absolutely got some grease <laughs> to him. Has he got the same type of grease as uh, Naz and some of these other guys? No, no, he doesn't. I mean, he's more one and done sometimes, but uh, but he cares a lot too. He's he's. I watched that kid. Listen, the stat the cards were stacked against Montreal forever when he was playing in yeah. the Ontario Hockey League because that's when small guys were just starting to get better recognition for the NHL, and uh, and he's had to persevere too. So full credit. Uh, just for context, uh, we asked uh, our listeners last week uh, what should that ni- that line be named, and DNA line ended up winning. But Maddie was all about the tenacious three, so that's why he kind of brought that up to you that he still really wants to push that line to be called the tenacious three. I don't know. I like the DNA better. The <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh no, the, you just the, broke the his heart, Jason. Oh, I can see it breaking oh, through his shirt. No, no, the tenacious three is a mouthful. I don't know, like DNA. Yeah, I mean, I can see the fans even barking that out in the stands. DNA, tenacious three. I don't know. I see them stumbling all over that. But okay, that's a fair point. It's okay. That's keep, a fair point. I just keep racking up losses in this it, argument. You do. Yeah. It's okay. No. It's just well, not going to happen. Uh, try being an NHL scout if you want to rack up losses. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of that, uh, we know teams are tanking like crazy this year. 
Coyotes have uh, no business or no interest in winning hockey games. I'm sure the Blackhawks uh, were divesting themselves from a lot of good players. Uh, they really don't want to win too many hockey games this season as well. Outside, of course, Connor Bedard, who is the prize in this year's draft, there's a lot of talk that if you get a top three pick, you're golden. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment? Top top 10 or 15 pick. This draft is wow. an exceptional depth. But I'm telling you guys, like, this is uh, – so sometimes year over year – um, you know, if you imagine back to certain drafts, uh, I'll go way back into the New Jersey draft. So this is when we took Barkoff second overall. McKinnon obviously went first overall. You know, Seth Jones was in there. Um, and it was like, oh, you, you're not going to lose um, for, for, you know, getting a top five pick and you're going to get a really good player. Somebody in this draft is going to get a great player all the way down to like 12 to 15. And I mean, when I say great players, like top line skaters, um, it's really rich on forwards, this draft. Uh, it's a little poor on the goaltending side, but there's some significant risers uh, all over the world right now. Um, there's a kid playing in Sweden, Leo Carlson, playing for a Rebro in the SHL. Uh, historically, that's a really hard league to score in for developing players. He's just shy of a point a game, six foot three, 195 pounds, uh, left shot forward. Um, he's going to take a run at the top couple of slots it's bedard's draft so don't let's not kid ourselves but yeah. after that <laughs> after that it, it becomes like the fantillies and the carlsons and mm -hmm. and then the wild cards the mitchkov kid playing in russia who's unfortunately for whoever drafts him signed until 2025 he's going to be a while till he comes over here but uh think panarin think kucherov and then think to yourself if you're drafting the player is it worth the wait so we'll see how many of those players make the jump to the NHL in their first season as well. This past draft has shown two players that have made the jump. Uri Slavkovsky with the Montreal Canadiens, who went first overall, and then Shane Wright dropped to fourth overall, went to the Seattle Kraken. Both have played five games. Are both of them going to stick in the NHL all season? Uh, my vote is probably not at this stage. I, I think mm. that uh, I think Seattle is going to be torn more than Montreal. Like obviously Slavkovsky can go and play in Laval, the American Hockey League, live right there in Montreal, uh, train there. You know their doctors are there. All all the benefits of having your American League team right there, um, and the fact that the kid can go play there. It's unfortunate that, uh, and I think it's something that as a league we have to address these kids that are are, are drafts the way that the right is. Um, the fact that he can only go back to junior, and I know the reasons why, you know, going back to the junior market, they're running a business, et cetera, et cetera. But it, he's, not a, he's not looking to me to be comfortable at the NHL level, and I think he's beyond the junior level. He'd be better served in the American Hockey League. So mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a mouthful for you. He's better served to go back to Kingston based on what I've seen in Seattle. He's been underwhelming for me. His speed is there. He can track up and down the ice easily at the NHL level. But his off-the-puck awareness and identifying where he has to be, especially on the back check, like identifying what, where his check is and when they, they get into their defensive zone uh, scenario, he's, he's having a hard time. He's just off. And you can't just be just off in the NHL because that ends up uh, losing your coach's trust. And, you know, he's only playing six to eight minutes a night. So uh, that's not good enough. Slavkovsky. It's been a slow burn with him. I saw him in Buffalo at the rookie tournament there. He stood out a great deal, but I did notice some habits, uh, you know, taking pucks to the middle of the ice, exposing them uh, in key areas, um, and really not generating enough quality shots on goal. 
Um, but he's a big body that uh, makes up for some other areas, but I expect that he's going to see some time in Laval after he comes back from uh, whatever minor injury he has right now. Jason Bukula, former NHL scout and Sportsnet columnist. Jason, this is terrific. Let's do it again soon, pal. Absolutely, guys. Go DNA line. I yeah, love it. All right. there you go. Yes. Thanks, Jason. Okay. Again, you, you just keep getting dunked on with this, Matty. Like, and you know, have you ever seen Mean Girls? Yes. You know when, when they say stop trying to make fetch happen? Yeah. You're stop trying to make Tenacious 3 happen. Just I refuse. Let the DNA line. I have a strong stable of believers. It's not as big as your stable. It's quite small. No, I but I but we're we're doing it. We're doing it. Um I wasn't a huge fan of the DNA line name, but I I go by what the fans gave us in the poll. I'm acknowledging it. I'm yep. just saying, secondary nickname, Tenacious 3. It's like having an alternate jersey. All right. Still keep keep trying to bang that drum, Maddie. I appreciate your uh, tenacity when it comes to that. Do you know why I like Bukla? Because he's super smart. How many guys? Well, he gives you coach, he gives you scout speak. Right? That's what I like. And like, it's how many, not surface stuff. It's how many like guys are going to be like, well, let me tell you about the first three steps away from the net for Mackenzie Weger. What? Yeah. How many guys are going to get you that? He's great. He is great. Uh, poll question in the books. We asked you. <laughs> I know we're nitpicking a four and one team, but uh, who needs to dominate uh, more? Kind of settle down a little bit of the fan base. Top line: Jacob Markstrom. Uh, oh, Two hundred thirty votes. Sixty three point nine percent of our listeners saying uh, they need to see a little bit more from the top line. Yeah, and maybe we'll see that tonight. Flames and Penguins tonight. Game day. It all gets going at six o'clock. With Flames warm up with Steinberg and Labardius. Puck drop just after seven. Where, of course, right here, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We'll be breaking this puppy down tomorrow all morning long. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, have a great day. Bye. Bye.